Welcome to The Drift, your resource on all things business strategy, entrepreneurship, and leadership. I'm your host, Aloiza, and today's guest is Tegan Bukowski, the CEO of WellSet, the platform bridging the gap between employers and holistic well-being. With a unique blend of varying wellness modalities being delivered through both live and on-demand channels, Tegan and her team are, can provide a truly holistic approach to well-being for employers and employees. Welcome, Tegan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for coming on. I'm so excited to be able to just dive in a little bit deeper about what you and your team have been up to, and then also hopefully some exciting new developments for WellSet as well. So that said, and let's go ahead and get started. Can you share with us a little background on yourself and where you started, how you got to where you are today? Sure. Uh, so I like to say, just like investor calls, my my tagline is that I um, I work at the intersection of design, technology, and social impact, and really have from a really young age. I, I started coding when I was about eight years old, and I started a, a tutorial website teaching mostly girls how to create these websites that were a little bit like MySpace or Facebook pages, but before those companies ever existed. This is back at the, the dawn of the internet. And um, and that was really fun. It actually ended up getting me recognized on the street. And I moved to schools when I was in eighth grade. And and these girls came up to me in the cafeteria and were like, you're the girl that started that website, aren't you? So I, I had like a little bit of early, tiny, tiny internet fame from that. Uh, but I ended up shutting that down and um, and focusing a little bit more on, on impact for a number of years. So I got really into the nonprofit space. When I was an undergrad studying architecture and environmental philosophy, I started a nonprofit that operated in, in nine different countries, doing all sorts of projects ranging from art therapy with kids in nine different countries. Uh, these kids have been affected by violence, warfare, natural disaster, and we, we were essentially offering an after-school program for them that was engaging and fun, and we would do, you know, peace photography scavenger hunts uh, in Kenya in the Kibera slum or, you know, something like that. Um, but we would combine some different types of like therapeutic um, techniques and just like, you know, having them reframe their own environment in, in a time of chaos. We, we also did projects like starting East Africa's first utility scale photovoltaic field that powers 10% of the Rwandan energy grid now. Um, that was a really cool project. We focused on the design and, and kind of handed the design off to a really incredible company and nonprofit that ended up building it. And um, it supports a, a really big orphanage of, of kids in the middle of Rwanda. Um, and I also started uh, NASA's first astronaut blog from space with astronaut Ron Guerin. Um, and he, he was the founder of the project, obviously, but he enlisted me to help him with the design of the initial website, building it. And I actually worked with him while he was on the space station. So I used to have the space station phone number in my phone. <laughs> Lots of random projects. I could go on and on about them, but I, I spent a lot of time in the in the impact space. Um, and it it turns out that starting nonprofits is a lot like starting companies. So I, I had kind of a natural transition into into being an entrepreneur after I graduated. And um, I um, it's a it's a complicated story because I I. I went to school for architecture. And so I, I also have a master's degree in architecture from Yale. I, um, I worked as an architect and, and designed buildings and all, all sorts of different things for the architect Zaha Hadid in London for a number of years and, um, and was kind of simultaneously that whole time um, thinking about different ways that I could get back into the entrepreneurial scene. And so um uh, yeah, I don't know. That's it's it's it all makes sense if I put it in order, but it's, it's a lot of different things going on. 
<laughs> no, I think it definitely all makes sense too. But it, what's interesting is that it's so refreshing just hearing your background and hearing the story and the journey that you went through. Because ultimately, when you're thinking about the work that you have done from a social impact space, and then also going up to architectural design, to now technology, it's all about looking at the whole human to create this best, most optimal experience. And that's exactly what all of your pieces inside your journey has really ultimately done. Is that is that right? Yeah. And I, I would say I, I always like to start projects or design things that have the ability to scale or have impact at scale. Um, and so that's, that's kind of like technology. Starting a tech company is kind of like the the, the, the furthest um, evolution of that because you can create one product that can reach millions and millions of people. Uh, I think that's why technology actually interests me more than architecture because with, with a building, uh, unless it's a really big cultural institution that millions of people visit per year, which is very rare to, to get to design, um, uh, a piece of architecture often is, is really only enjoyed by you know, a family of people or, or maybe a small community. And, um, and that's great. I think that that's, there's, there's such a value in that small scale type of design and, and being really thoughtful for, uh, for the small scale or small, um, small reach, I guess. But, but I, I think what really interests me is like, how can you create a system that then can scale to reach as uh, you know, the whole world maybe. And, um, and because at the, at the end of the day, that's the scale that we need to solve problems right now. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think along those lines, I'd love to be able to hear how WellSet essentially came into play as well. Yeah. So when I was working as an architect, I was um, you know super exhausted all the time, really stressed out, but also was having a, um, a, a, a health issue that was landing me in the hospital over and over and over again. Uh, it was a chronic, chronic inflammatory condition that uh, was causing internal bleeding sometimes. Like, it was really crazy. And I was hospitalized for it like 10 times. And um, I would be put in the hospital on morphine and I'd be offered steroids as, as basically the only solution. Um, and I just, I knew that there had to be a better way to prevent myself from ending up in the hospital over and over again. And I um, mean, it was incredibly painful. It was a miserable experience. So I wanted to stop it from happening. And, um, and I realized that Western medicine for all, I mean, I am a definitely a believer. Let's just say it right now. I'm a believer in Western medicine. I think it's amazing. Love doctors. They're incredible. Love researchers. Um, but the way that our medical system is, is put together right now, it's, it's really a sick care system. So it's, it, um, it really steps in when you need surgeries, pills, or, or some kind of intervention from a medical standpoint, um, but doesn't really ever address prevention or, or uh, proactive healing. And so, um, so I started a, a, a journey down kind of my, my own holistic journey, figuring out how to address my own chronic condition. And I started to just realize that there was a huge opportunity for, um, for figuring out how to fix our prevention problem, our, our, our preventative wellness problem in this country. And, um, and so I, I became a yoga instructor and a mindfulness guide just on the side. I, I ended up actually teaching in a bunch of different places and some festivals, and um, it was really fun, fun, fun thing to do on the side. Um, but I, I ended up uh, starting a, a a little women's wellness membership community, and um, and then started doing big activations with companies like Samsung, Polaroid. Uh, Lululemon, IMG, WME for Fashion Week, and and these these wellness activations were kind of the first of their kind. Um, this is back in the day when like wellness was barely a thing. So 
uh, we, were, we were doing all of these incredible events where thousands of people were coming to our different in-person activations. And we were noticing that um, that people were having a really similar journey to mine, which is that they were getting hospitalized or needing help holistically with a mental, physical health of, of some kind. They were having a really hard time finding the right providers. Uh, it was, you know, it was a time when um, uh, you know, five or six years ago when really the only way to find a practitioner would be either by word of mouth or by going and even you know, looking at a bulletin board at your co-op or something like that. So um, there are a few more tools these days to find the right practitioner and the right provider, especially in the mental health care space. Um, but it was a real issue back then. So um, so I, I just really realized that there is a big opportunity to, to you know, find ways to connect people to the right health care providers in the holistic space specifically. So I was connected to my current co-founder. That was a previous company doing the, the events and, and, and everything else. But uh, my current co-founder, Sky Meltzer, who is the former CEO of Manduka, the yoga mat company, yoga, yoga things company. He's it's incredible. Manduka is amazing. He's also an incredible guy. He's our CFO. And um, and we just had a really um, uh, a very aligned vision for for needing to solve this problem of, of getting people the right preventive care. So, uh, so we started well set in 2018, I think to early 2018. Um, we, we were fundraising for a lot of 2018 and then building for a lot of 2019. And we launched a marketplace to find and book wellness practitioners in 2020. Uh, that was a whole thing. We can talk about that if you want. <laughs> Because we have we've pivoted away from a marketplace at this point. So um, but, but we learned a lot. Yeah, well, thank you so much, goodness, for the entire journey. I think that's exactly right. There's so many different changes inside the health and wellness landscape, but the reality of it is it only really did become mainstream very recently. Um, and, you know, and if I think about your own personal journey, and then also taking a look at goodness now, it's about, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a $100 billion industry now at this point, uh, around so for holistic well-being and holistic health care, but Ultimately, the industry in itself has completely evolved over the past couple of years. So would you be able to shine a little light on your own personal experience being in the sector, how it's evolved, and then what you're thinking or envisioning that the sector needs in order to grow into the future? Yeah, it's it's completely changed in the, let's see, it's been about seven years that I've been in the industry in some, in some way or another. And um, in early days when I was fundraising for my last company, which was a different, completely different concept than than WellSet, but still in the health and wellness space. I remember investors saying to me that they didn't think that wellness was an industry. Literally, those words. We don't know if wellness is an industry, and um, I mean that sounds astounding today because it is a, an absolutely enormous industry and. Uh, it's been quantified. It's growing at an alarming rate. I think 12% per year or something like that. It's it's just alarming in a good way, by the way. <laughs> it's good that wellness is is growing, but um, but it's it's yeah, it's hard to believe that that was the type of thing that then the type of reaction that investors were having to us at that point. Um, it's evolved to over the years from from we don't know if wellness is really a thing to, okay, wellness might be a thing, but we, we haven't seen any companies be successful in the space yet. So we're going to wait and see, um, to, you know, the headspaces and calms of the world being out there and, and many unicorns in the mental health care space specifically. Um, so I think there, there is a lot more of a willingness to 
to see it as a, as a big potential to, to, you know, invest in the holistic wellness space. That being said, um, we've seen a lot of money going towards mental health, uh, specifically traditional therapy, um, and, and a lot of money going towards pharmaceuticals, even if they are forward thinking pharmaceuticals, like, like ketamine, um, meaning, you know, like that's, that's kind of a paradigm shifting type of pharmaceutical. It's not a traditional pharmaceutical, but, um, but we, we've seen a lot more money going towards those types of companies than towards holistic companies. Um, uh, holistic health is still a little bit of the wild west. And, um, and I think a lot of investors are shying away from investing because they don't know how to, they don't know how to, to put it in a box yet. Um, that being said, I think it's, it's going, that's going to change in the next couple of years and we'll be seeing the first holistic health unicorns, hopefully well set, uh, emerging in the next few, few years. Oh my, absolutely. And I'm definitely rooting for it as well. Cause ultimately the way that the health and wellness industry is completely shifted is that before we used to truly look at it through this very niche lens, whereas you really only had physical fitness, maybe nutrition, you know, possibly. Now, when you're coming into current state and then where we're really projecting to the future, I've always like now seen it. I think McKinsey and Company created this beautiful, well-written article um, last year, whereas consumers now take a look at health and wellness into so many different dimensions. Now, I think there's about six different dimensions, better health, better sleep, nutrition, fitness, mental well-being. Now we're actually starting to put these quote unquote terms or like definitions in place for how health and wellness can ultimately be redefined as. But you're exactly right. There's still a lot of question marks out there as to what these actually mean, where they're going, what they're doing. Um, and I think my question for you is if you could probably provide just a little bit of light onto what are the things perhaps even investors need to start considering as we propel into the future? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that our thesis, uh, WellSet's thesis, is that you know, holistic health is is full, a full spectrum thing. And uh, the continued verticalization of holistic health is just causing a lot of confusion and making people have to sign up for a lot of different things. And um and, you know, our, our thesis is that we're bringing it all kind of into one place. So all of the different verticals that you're talking about, like nutrition, sleep, uh, mindfulness, um, fitness, all, all these different things, we're bringing them all into one place so that particularly for us, our, our first customers, our employers, the enterprise space um, for our new product, um, they, they, you only need one membership. You don't have to go to 20 different places. Um, and I, I think there there was, you know, in the past few years, a lot of pushback on companies who are fundraising beyond a single vertical. Um, but holistic health is not a single vertical. It's you, if you focus just on sleep, it's, 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 um, it's great, but it's, but you, but you need to focus on what you eat. You need to focus on how, how you exercise. You need to focus on how you, uh, deal with your mental health care, um, and, and your mindfulness. So, uh, you know, anxiety is, is a great example of, of, uh, a health condition or a health concern, however you want to define it, that we all have right now pretty much across the board, um, that it's it, it can't be helped with just meditation. Meditation is not going to get you there. It'll help a lot. If you meditate every day, it would be great. But you also need to eat certain things and stop eating other things. And you also need to um, move your body. And and you might even need to address some, you know, like hormones or, or some, you know, allergies. Some, you know, there's all it's it's a full spectrum issue that that needs addressing from in a full spectrum 
different way. So, uh, so the product that we're launching this year that we're really excited about is a group class offering live stream and on-demand classes that are available through a membership are focusing specifically on selling it to employers and self-insured accounts through insurance companies. Um, uh, so that we can actually provide more access to more people who might not necessarily be able to afford a one-on-one -on -one session. And our content is ranges the gamut across all sorts of different modalities. We have 30 different modalities that are represented, ranging from acupressure and tapping classes, uh, meaning like tapping, like, you know, EFT tapping, you're tapping your face, not tap dancing. That's it. <laughs> common misconception, um, that we have uh, functional medicine MDs talking about how, for instance, anxiety can be affected by what you eat. Uh, we have um, somatic movement practitioners, just a whole range of really incredible practitioners. Uh, we cover movement and fitness, nutrition, um, as well as mindfulness and uh, some spirituality. It's a great place to access a, a whole bunch of, of different wellness modalities all in one place. And um, you can kind of think of it as like the first wellness studio or holistic health studio. Like, you know, we have yoga studios everywhere, but this is a holistic health studio and it's and it's available virtually from wherever you are. So it's really, it's really great. Oh, goodness. That is incredibly exciting because, you know, when I hear all of this information, one, first and foremost, I really cannot understand how incredible this is because thinking about the many, many effects that the pandemic has had um, on consumers, it has really impacted more of the employer, employee health space. And when we're thinking about it, the market is definitely shifting. I mean, we're seeing that, I think I read somewhere that 50% of employers right now are indicating that mental health alone is a top organizational priority. Mm -hmm. And then I think about 70% of them are reporting to invest in more wellness-oriented resources. And the reality of it is, if organizations like WellSet is able to get ahead of this curve, be able to get ahead of this need, we're able to provide and really bridge the gap between employers and employees to provide more access to more holistic health and wellness resources. So thinking along those lines, um, are, would you say that there's any pieces that you've extracted from to better understand how WellSet could ultimately meet the market's needs? I think said differently, how are you continuously evolving WellSet solutions and how are you continuously providing these solutions to employers? Is it customer surveys, data analytics? What are you seeing? So if we actually go back to when we launched a marketplace in 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, uh, we, you know, we originally fundraised and were successful at fundraising for launching this marketplace. It was going to be the first place to really find and book wellness practitioners in all different types of modalities, but specifically for one-on-one -on -one sessions. So we were really successful at building the supply side. We had over 20,000 practitioners apply to be on WellSet. We approved about 4,000 of them nationwide. Um, but what we found was that uh, as we launched, we had hundreds of thousands of people coming to the marketplace, but very, very few people transacting. And this was kind of a question mark for us. We were like, why, why aren't people booking? They're, they clearly have intent. They're, they're clicking around. They're saving practitioners. They're um, lingering for a really long time, doing a lot of research, but then just not actually taking the next step. Like, even if we send them like a coupon for $20 or, or introduce them via a group session, it was still really hard to get them to transact. So, um, so we actually did a, a customer survey and, and asked all of our customers, like, why aren't you, why aren't you booking one-on-one -on -one sessions with these incredible practitioners that we've curated for you? And um, and they, you know, we asked we asked them a bunch of different questions. We we wanted to make sure that it wasn't our technology that was off-putting in some way. We wanted to make sure that they were actually 
trusting the practitioners that they were finding so that it wasn't some kind of issue with with needing to build more trust. Um, it wasn't any of those things. It was uh, about 95, I think, percent of people said that they didn't book a session because they couldn't afford to. And that was really, really disappointing to hear because we started WellSet to increase access to, uh, you know, to holistic providers. And we realized that because most of these modalities aren't covered by insurance, uh, that it ends up being out of pocket. And the only way to lower the price, honestly, is to get the practitioners to lower the price, which means that practitioners are then having to work harder, longer hours. And, um, and most of them are, are especially the really great practitioners are not willing to lower their prices. So it would really limit the type of supply that we had on board. So it, it just, it turned into a, a, a thing that we really needed to figure out and we really needed to figure it out on the insurance coverage side of things if we were going to, to move forward in that direction. So we, um, we actually took the opportunity to apply for an incubator called 1501, which is incredible. If there are any healthcare companies out there early stage that would like some support and insight from the insurance industry, it's a really incredible program. It's, this is the first year, so, um, so we actually were invited by uh, an investor to, to apply. Uh, we were chosen out of about 300, I think, um, companies that applied to be part of the, the first five-company five cohort. And it's just been incredible. They basically um, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Care First of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Maryland, uh, and LifeBridge, which is one of the largest provider networks and hospital systems in the Mid Atlantic region, came together to put this this um, this incubator together. And they um, they really support these the companies that are going through the incubator with with all, all sorts of resources that you would never have access to as an early stage startup. So we have uh, cabinet members from Blue Cross Blue Shield that are dedicated to helping us, you know, figure out how to get get more sessions covered. And in our case, because we're we're the only wellness company that's in the cohort. Um, so what we found through that experience is that it's it's going to be years before practitioners of these kinds, these holistic practitioners. Uh, that their sessions are going to be covered by insurance. And that's just because there, there's so much red tape. Um, and, and, you know, I think a lot of people, especially in the, on the investor side of things, they think that it's actually going to happen soon. It's not. It is, it's, you know, insurance is a dinosaur. It moves at the, the, the slowest pace of almost any industry. Um, so in working with Care First and LifeBridge, we actually started to realize that getting more sessions covered by insurance is not the direction that we should try to go. Simultaneously, we had been running group classes that were so successful. We'd been running them for, for years at that point. Um, and we, um, we just realized that the group class membership uh, side of things, especially going after the self-insured employer market, which is, uh, is you know, a little bit more flexible because these employers are deciding what they want to pay for. Uh, we decided that was a really great direction for us to pivot. It allows us to get more people uh, access because the, the classes can be attended by literally hundreds of people. Um, and it, it also brings the price point way down so that we can increase the number of people who have access in the first place. Um, and then we, um, we can also scale our practitioners reach out. And, and as you mentioned, employers are just looking for things to really help their employees with, with mental health, anxiety, burnout. And in this first year, we're focusing specifically on anxiety and burnout because we've seen it be such a problem for employers specifically. 
um, yeah, I think you mentioned, but um, but there's there's a there's a huge issue with retention right now, and um, and you know, the Great Resignation happening, and so so people are kind of like fleeing their jobs because they're so stressed out and burned out. Um, so it's, it's it's a really it's like the it's the the epidemic that's that's under the pandemic right now is a, the the mental health um, issue that we're all that we're all having. So so we really think that this this is going to be a great way for for us to really scale access to to solutions for for anxiety and burnout specifically. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Goodness, you definitely just went through like an entire founder's journey too, which is fantastic to be able to just kind of like actually shine a light on. You know, if I take a couple steps back reflecting on your entire journey of WellSet, how WellSet has continuously evolved, that really is such the beauty of the entrepreneurial spirit and then kind of going through more of like these growth hacking techniques as well to like truly find product market fit. I think from an investor standpoint, we're constantly always saying like, oh, have you found product market fit? And we almost kind of create this just like this tiny little checkbox that everybody, every single founder needs to go through. But the reality of it is there's quite a journey and a process that you had to go through from one launching a couple years back to then securing funding and then actually being in that growth live mode and then getting hit with a pandemic. So now you have to actually pivot. But what does that pivot actually mean? And then ultimately, what are you trying to gather as far as customer data to make sure that really you've also captured all the feedback from your customers and are addressing the pain points that they have came through or addressing the pain points that they're experiencing to now reinventing not necessarily reinventing completely, but thinking strategically about those different touch points or different ways that you can continuously evolve the business model so that way it is set up for scale and that it is something that um, addresses the needs of the consumers for the long game. So I think with that instance, I mean, how would you encourage other founders to go through perhaps any down points, maybe they're going through any experiences where they're trying to really reevaluate their business model and then hopefully set them up for scale as well? I think a lot of founders have a really hard time like, killing their babies, quote unquote, um, which wastes a lot of time and a lot of money. And um, so I, I think that one of the things that I'm pretty good at, if I could pat myself on the back for a second, is um, is not being afraid to pivot and and really like think about how we can be doing things differently or addressing a need in a, in a better way. Um, and I think it really freaks my team out sometimes because they're like, ah, we're just, we're changing something again. Because, you know, I think, I think like teams really like KPIs and OKRs and like, what are we doing this quarter? And in the startup journey, sometimes you're like last week, what we thought we were doing, that's not what we're doing this week. And, um, and that's, that can be really scary. It can be really scary for founders. It can be really scary for teams. And uh, my teams are incredible. So I'm, I'm really lucky they, they stick with me through the, <laughs> through the figuring things out phases. But, um, but it can be really hard. And I think a lot of founders can end up taking too long to make the decision to pivot or the decision to make a micro pivot. Um, so I think um, my main advice for people who are seeing that something isn't working for them is to, to believe the numbers, believe that it's not working, like just throwing more marketing dollars at something is probably not going to solve it. Um, it's, you know, if, if, you, if you can prove that you have organic product market fit, uh, there's somebody who will help you fund that idea. Um, but, but, but forcing something that's not working is, is probably not a great idea. 
Thank you. That that's exactly it. It's really about not only one being afraid to take the leap, but actually going through it too. And also using your team. I think you just mentioned it as well as the team is so integral, be able to to fulfill the strategies and vision that you're putting set forth. And I think it's incredibly important for founders to be able to also leverage their resources as they're going through those massive or even just little tiny radical changes as well. On, on the team side of things, it's a really great point because you also really need to hire a team that believes in your mission and not just in, not that, not that they, you know, you need to not hire people that are are just in it to make money or just in it for prestige, or maybe they see a hole in the market. Like people need to believe in your mission because they have to stick with you through thick and thin and also help you figure out how to solve the mission and maybe a couple of different ways instead of just the way that they initially think that they're going to help you solve it. And um, I think that's that's been really important for us to have having a team that really believes in what we're doing and and our overall mission so that yeah, you know, when we do make a big pivot or a big change or we we see uh, um, you know something that's not working. They don't get super discouraged and think that like oh this is like you know they within the team they're they're not they're also not afraid to like quote unquote kill their babies. I hate saying that. That's a terrible saying. But you know they're 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 saying you know what no this is for the greater good. This is for the mission. We're gonna we're gonna go after it in this way. And um, I think just keeping keeping the mission at the core of what we've been doing has really helped us also get through some some points when things weren't working, you know, like we when when our marketplace was not not really, really working. I mean, that's the reality. It really didn't work. Um, even though the technology worked and the supply side worked, like they, people were not transacting. And so, um, you know, through that period of time, when it was a little bit discouraging, we were running group classes and uh, doing a stay at home wellness festival that uh, that uh, I think 40,000 people came to. And, um, you know, all, all of these things that were at the end of the day, all of those things that we were doing, we, we were doing because we wanted to provide healing for a bunch of people. And that's actually where we ended up finding the direction and the pivot that we are now going after is, you know, through through those things that were more mission driven in a time of turmoil. Understanding that now that you'll be offering live stream classes, on-demand classes, you're going to be also engaging in so many varying modalities. How can people get involved? What can they do now to get started? Yeah, so we're launching our membership membership in July. Uh, so we're kind of preparing, getting ready for that. We're launching a really beautiful new product. Um, but for now, you can still go to wellset.co and you can try a free class from our, our future membership. They're live. They're with our incredible practitioners. We have about three to five per week in all sorts of different modalities. Uh, we also run occasionally little free festivals where we'll do like five classes per day. We did one in November and had uh, 10,000 people come to that, which was awesome. Um, and so definitely if you just if you sign up for our newsletter, you'll get invites to those those events. You can try acupressure while you're sitting at your desk at home or you can do a yoga nidra to end your day and and um, get a really good meditation in. Um, we have incredible practitioners and uh, it's a great way to kind of trial the, the future membership for com- completely for free. Oh, that's fantastic. And it's so exciting too that there's so many different ways that you can engage with the brand too. So as we start to round up the rest of this episode, um, final question for you. If you could give advice to a young woman that is desiring to be a future entrepreneur, what would you share with them? There's so many things. <laughs> um, I would say kind of along the lines of the, you know, like what kind of team you should hire. Um, you also have to make sure you're hiring yourself for the right thing. 
So make sure that the thing that you're starting is the mission that you want to be chasing for the next five to 10 years, because there is no such thing as an overnight success. You, you can look around and think, oh, that person just launched that product and they, they, they launched it six months ago and they just got acquired by Pepsi or, or you know, whatever. And, and it's, the reality is that, prob- that person was probably, unless they were one in a literal billion people, that person was probably working on it for five years behind the scenes before you even saw it. And, and um, uh, one of the things that I tell my family members is that the, the, they'll, they'll sometimes say like, oh, you know, I saw some company on a, on a, on a, a billboard and, you know, they, they must be pretty new. And like, those companies are not new. If they have a billboard, they have like series C funding and they're huge. And it's like, you know, these are, these are big companies we're talking about here. So the point is, you're going to be working on this mission for a long time. So make sure you're really interested, really passionate, and you're not going to want to bail out and do something else after a couple of years, because it's a commitment to start a business. And, and um, when you take an investment and, and money from, from people, uh, you, you then have a duty to, to try to return it to them and hopefully five exit or 10 exit or a hundred exit that money from them. And, and you just have to make sure that that's something that you, you want, you want to be doing with, with your time. And, um, and yeah, so, so choose wisely, choose your, choose your topic wisely, choose your, your mission wisely. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you, Tegan, for your time. And as mentioned, make sure to check out WellSet, the platform on a mission to increase access to holistic care and visiting wellset.co to experience a free class. Looking to hear more about what's happening in the health, wellness, and sports industry? Subscribe to this podcast and we'll catch you next time on The Drift.